to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. And it's another of our interview shows. And this one's a real special one for me because it's my really good friend, Matt Pollard. Um, Matthew, uh, his, we've been friends, good Lord, for probably eight, nine years now. Um, he has gone from being this somewhat unknown person in the United States. Uh, he's from Australia originally to one of the most widely recognized people in the United States with two bestling books. So, uh, Matt, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Mate, I'm ecstatic to be here. I'm doing great. And I have to say it has special significance for me to be on your show as well, because you were one of my first friends in Austin. Yeah. So because because of that, you know, it's it's funny. There's there's so many people that meet me as I am today and go, oh, you're lucky. It was easy for you. And I'm like, well, no, no, no. Talk to Jeff. Jeff knows that, you know, I did the work and I, I had to play a great strategy, which we'll chat about today. But, yeah. you know, everyone always looks at the, it's easy for you once you've done it. They never know the story as you get there. Yeah, and they didn't know all the, I, hey, you had to make it up the fly and create this whole thing and did a lot of free speeches to get to the point where you got paid. Exactly right. Exactly right. And I, I think people, yeah, they look at it and you know, I, I, would, I would say, you know, I see a lot of people do free speeches and things like that without yeah. a strategy behind it. And that's you just working for free. But if you've got a great strategy, you've got great messaging and you can share your difference in the right way and you have a backup plan for follow up, which, you know, in my, yeah. I always talk about the importance of follow up that most people don't do, then you can do something for free because the free mm -hmm. thing is still, I'm not paying to market myself. I'm getting to do it for free, which mm -hmm. is still valuable as long as you actually have a way of doing it. But most people, I mean, they, they, they can't even convert the people that are interested a lot of the time. So that's yeah. obviously making doing something for free even more crazy. Yeah, exactly. So why don't we start off? Um, why don't we start over in Australia? Um, you're from uh, Melbourne originally. That's right. Uh, let's start there and talk a little bit about how you, you know, you, you graduated high school. Um, I love the story and, and what did you do after school? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, so a lot of people look at me as I am today and they're like, well, okay, I can see this person has the natural gift. They're very, he's very articulate. It makes sense for him to have become successful. But when I was in late high school, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. So, I mean, I was super introverted. And for those people that are video watchers, I mean, I actually put on this pair of funny color lenses and miraculously I can learn to read, but not like everyone else, I could start the process of learning to read. And so for two years in high school, I mean, I, I burned myself out. I got into the top 20% of my state, but it took everything I had. And I didn't have time to really think about what I wanted to do. It was more just to get through, to survive. And mm -hmm. my family and I all agreed that I'd spend a year finding myself. And you know, my, my dad broke his back 80 hours a week. So I'm not exactly sitting on the couch watching TV. Definitely not you know, spending money to travel Europe because my family didn't have any money. So it was like, okay, what am I going to do? And the answer was I took a job at a real estate agency. And before you think that, I was the person in the back office doing data entry with a look on my face. I mean, I'm here to just, I'm here to do data entry, find myself, don't speak to me. So I definitely <laughs> wasn't a salesperson. 
But it's it's funny, uh, you know. I talk about the the uh, the adversities we face seed the success of our future, and the adversity I faced about three weeks in is my manager pulls me aside and he's like, Matt, I am so sorry to tell you this, but we just got a phone call from head office. You're out of work. <laughs> And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, we're shutting down this office. You, you're out of work. And I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm not going home. There's no way I'm going home to tell dad I'm out of work three weeks in. So I went to the news agency where you got the classifieds back then. And I pulled out the, the paper and I saw three jobs. Now, the reason why there was only three is because this was Christmas and summer break at the same time in Australia, right? Summer and Christmas mm -hmm. coincide. So everyone goes on holidays on the 20th of December. They don't come back till the 15th to 20th of January. So, I mean, if you're a business owner and you're about to go on a month long vacation, you're not hiring. The only places that are going to hire are these things called commission only sales jobs. Well, that's all that was in the paper. And for me, I mean, I had acne, I had funny colored lenses, I had braces back then. The whole idea of that, I mean, I've, I struggled to talk to my own friends, let alone anyone else. The self image was an issue, but it was my only option. So I applied for all three commission only jobs. I got three commission only sales interviews. Then I got three job offers and I'm like, maybe they see something in me. I don't see in myself. <laughs> well, so I took this job doing business to business telecommunications door to door. And I, I walked in with this questionable confidence about the fact that they picked me. And then they, like my manager straight away said, Matt, every commission on the job just hires everyone. Like we, we've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall. We see what sticks, which sounds great until you're the mud, right? Yeah. So that, <laughs> That's me. Five days in, I've had five days product training. No one's taught me how to sell. And I get mm -hmm. thrown on this road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia, and I told to, to just go sell. Well, what do I, what do I say? So I, I take this deep breath and I, I go into the first door. And luckily enough, I was politely told to leave because shortly after that, the next door, I was less politely told to leave than I was sworn at. But my personal favorite was always people telling me to go get a real job. <laughs> I mean, this was the only job I could get. So... Luckily enough, when I think back, I was on this road called Sydney Road, which was like a thousand doors on each side. And so I didn't have far to walk between rejections, which was painful, but at least it happened quickly, I guess. <laughs> but door after door, I kept getting rejected, kept told to get a real job, sworn at, until my 93rd door where I made my first sale. And I, I remember I made about $70 and I was ecstatic <laughs> for about 45 seconds until I'm like, oh, I've got to do this again tomorrow. Yeah, I've got to hit another 93. To... Horrific idea. And I think that looking down the barrel of that, well, 18, I was in a training group of 20 people. Mm -hmm. 18 people didn't come back the next day. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about that, you know, fight and flight, right? A lot mm -hmm. of people just ran. Yeah. I, I came back, but one other person came back and they were like, well, I'm just going to grind it out, right? And I think with small businesses, especially, we have this grind it out mentality. That's great, but mm -hmm. not without a strategy and a plan. Otherwise, you just torturing yourself. So I, I made a decision. And I think this is something that I've carried into everything I do in life, which is sales had to be a system, right? So I asked myself, what if there was a solution? If there was, what would it be? Sales has to be a system. Where will I learn that? Well, back then I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. So not exactly picking up a Brian Tracy or a Zig Ziglar book, mm -hmm. but I did discover YouTube and I typed sales system in YouTube and all these videos came up and I was blown away. I mean, so I would spend eight hours and by the way this is not going to sound fun to anyone this is going to sound like torture but mm -hmm. trust me there's a happy ending i spent eight hours applying what i learned the night before then i would run home and i would spend eight hours practicing the next step or perfecting the one i learned to go back the next day and i'd do that mm -hmm. every day weekends i'd spend 16 hours practicing i mean it was 
horrific. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But day after day, I got better. Soon it was 78 doors, then it was 46 mm. doors, then 21, then 18, then nine. Eventually, I got it down to making a sale on average every three doors. Now, about that period, it was about six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside. And I thought that I was in trouble. He had this puzzled look on his face. And I mean, I was the quiet guy that handed my paperwork in downstairs. No one even talked to me upstairs. And then <laughs> the manager pulls me aside and he says, Matt, we just got our national sales figures, which we used to just get once a month back then. He said, we're kind of blown away. You're the number one salesperson in the company. I mean, this was the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. So it was to them, they were like, they didn't understand it. And mm -hmm. especially from somebody that didn't really talk about it. But what it was, was this regimented systematic <laughs> process that mm -hmm. worked for me. So they said, well, we want you to teach it to other people. So you're a great salesperson. So naturally you can manage. I don't know why people think that. Like I got yeah. my 20 people. I told them, I don't know how to manage. They said, mud up against the wall. Don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> everybody did worry about it. They all quit 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So back to YouTube to learn how to manage. And then um, after, you know, I got, I actually got the hang of it. I got promoted seven times again, strategy learned on YouTube, right? Yeah. Seven times in 12 months. And then I started my own, my own business. And I mean, fast forward just shy of a decade, I've been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories. So yeah, <laughs> it really came down to that one thing though, because that same, I can learn this, I'm responsible and there's a system for it, I think has defined every piece of success I've had in mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's developing that process and so many people just wing it. I mean, I see so many small business people just winging it and trying to, you know, I'll, I'll just go out and network. Okay, great. You're going to go out and network, but what are you going to do to follow up? How are you going to, how are you going to develop those relationships? And, you know, it's, it is just a process oh, more than anything. So right. And especially yeah. when you're talking about networking, it's, it's such a horrific thing. I mean, sure. Daughter or sales is where I, where I grew up. Right. Yeah. And I can say that. Um, and, you know, I, I still teach people to this day how to do it. And I still think to this day that introverts are the best at it far. I mean, and by the way, if you think introverts can't sell, Zig Ziglar was an introvert. Yep. If you think we can't do small talk, Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres, both, um, both introverts. So we can do it. As a matter of fact, we're the best at it. Mm -hmm. But if we don't learn systems and process, it's just torture, especially with networking. I mean, we say to ourselves, we just lose a client. And we mm -hmm. say to ourselves, okay, I need to go networking to get a new one. Or we're finishing a big project and we're like, oh my gosh, I've got two weeks left of this project and I've got no money lined up. So mm -hmm. we then start to focus on, on networking. So we book a networking event. It's funny, a lot of introverts struggle with this. Even mm -hmm. extroverts struggle with this when they have to book, they're actually selling themselves, right? They can sell a widget, yeah. they, but when they're selling themselves, like how do you not take rejection personally? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you have the same kind of framework, but what happens is people say, okay, I'm going, I've, I've got to go networking, I'll book something. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is they spend the next period either blocking it out from their mind or mm -hmm. telling themselves all the horrible things that are going to happen in from what they remembered last time. Mm -hmm. So then they go in completely unprepared. They end up probably asking somebody what they do that sells insurance. They're like, oh, why did I do this? Yeah. And then worse <laughs> than that, somebody asks them what they do and they, they either downplay and go, well, my day job is, or they say, oh, I do, mm. I do a couple of things. And they, they then do this information blast of, of content that leaves people overwhelmed that then just leads to a, well, that's nice. Or, oh, I've got somebody helping me with that. Or, oh, I need that. How much do you cost? None of which are positive. Even though I need that, how much do you cost? Leads you into this horrible conversation about price. You've just met them. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, like, especially with networking, there are so many strategies that lead to those kind of salesy bulldog deck techniques. 
Mm. And it's because networking is either transactional. Do you want to buy from me? What about you? What about you? Or aimless, where you have these shallow conversations, you walk home with all these business cards that you're not, you've got loose relationships with. Mm-hmm. It can be strategic, just most people wing it like sales. Yeah. And then they wonder why it went wrong. Well, if, if you go in without a strategy and a plan, is it any wonder that you don't get the results? Because you didn't even plan to get there. Absolutely. So let's talk a bit about the introvert's edge to, to networking and, and some of the principles of that. Uh, you've already talked about some of those, but you know some of the key principles. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the, the most important thing is actually like pre-planning before you go in and understanding right. that the people you're trying to network with aren't necessarily the person that's going to be a client of yours in the networking room. And I think that's that's really important. But a lot of the planning before you go in is actually learning about what your difference is. And yeah. I think that's one of the, the biggest issues. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, I worked with a language coach a, a couple of years back now, and I mean, she taught kids and, uh, kids and adults Mandarin. She was a Mandarin tutor. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, she'd done really well. And she'd go to networking events. People say, oh, I need that. How much do you cost? And it, it was fine until it wasn't like there were people that would now do it for she charged 50 to 80 dollars an hour there were people moving into california charging 30 to 40 dollars an hour mm-hmm. and then there were technologies out of uh, that allowed people in this global economy we live in to either you know offer on craigslist to do it for 12 dollars an hour from china or you know i'll teach you mandarin you teach me english we just won't charge anyone anything so mm-hmm. now she's competing against free so she comes to me and she's like matt can you show me how to get more customers uh, doing what I do. And I said, the problem is you're a commodity. It's like going in and saying you're an accountant or you're uh, going in and yeah. saying you're an insurance salesperson. They see you as they already know what it is and they exclude it or say, I need it. You're talking about price. And if price is the only qualifier, you've already lost. Mm-hmm. So for me, what I what I said is we need to sidestep this battle altogether and be seen as a, the only logical choice. And the way we did that was by walk, looking into a difference. And I think a lot of people, when they go networking, when somebody asks them what they do, even though they've got unique experiences, backgrounds, when somebody asks what they do, they say, I'm this functional skill, just like everybody else. And then they wonder why they're compared to everybody else. It's So what I said to her is I said, what we've got to do is lean into your difference. So I looked at all the clients that she'd worked with. And what I realized is outside what most of them two people specifically she did so much more for now these were executives being relocated to china and i said okay so these two people i mean what you're doing is amazing first thing you understand help them understand the difference in rapport so Mm -hmm. if i'm trying to sell something in the us and i'm a really bad at my job i might say something at the end like do you want to move forward and you'll Mm -hmm. say yes no everyone's favorite let me think about it a week from now if i reach out and ask you the same question and you say i still want to think about it my chances of getting that sale are gone china they're going to want to see you five or six times before they discuss business. Might mm-hmm. want to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. It's just who they are. But the reason for that is that they're looking at the character of the person because they're talking 10, 20, 100 year deals, not transactional relationships. So she helped them understand that. She also helped them understand the difference between e-commerce in China and the Western world, the importance of respect, why learning the language isn't enough. You've got to reduce your accent, how to handle a business card and why it matters. I'm like, Wendy, this is so much more, so valuable. <laughs> what are you doing for these people? And her response is, well, they're just a few things. I'm like, but do you think that these things will help them be, like you're stuck in your functional skill. Do you think they're going to be more successful in China because of this help? And she's right. like, yeah, I mean, obviously. I mean, I'd hope so. I said, great, let's call you the China success coach then. Mm-hmm. And I said, forget about Mandarin education for a second. Everybody that you help with these things that are going to China are going to want that. But let's create what we ended up calling the China success intensive which worked out to be a five-week program that worked with the executive of the spouse and any children being relocated to China. So we're now leaning into a difference. 
Now, this is getting us prepared for the networking room, but that then led to a question, well, who do I sell it to? What she's asking mm. is, who do I go networking to find? Yeah. And I said, well, who do you think you should be going networking to find? She said, well, obviously the executive. And I'm like, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Mm. And she said, well, I, she said, well, obviously these people are probably terrified. They're going to a place that didn't speak the language. I'm like, well, I know I came to the US and they speak the same language. I was still terrified. I said, it's not your ideal client though. She said, well, obviously the companies have got millions of dollars riding on the executive being successful. And I said, well, yeah, but you know, and, and I agree. I said, I said, I just don't think it's your ideal client. Frustrated, she's like, well, who then? And I said, I just, I think it's the immigration attorney. And she looks mm. puzzled. Now, by the way, this is the first two are what I call transactional relationships because yeah. you're trying to find someone you can sell to right away, or you might go to a networking event that deals in you know, referrals. So you might say, hey, do you know anyone that's being relocated to China? Now you're asking someone you just met to introduce you to someone mm -hmm. that um, might be willing to buy from you. It's, it's still not comfortable. So what I said is, I think it's the immigration attorney, which is the definition of what I call a momentum partner. So these are people that are doing business with your ideal customer demographic that you can add value to their audience and they can add value likely to your audience. So you have this symbiotic relationship where mm -hmm. it's in each other's best interest for you to refer and share audience. I said, what I would do though, is I would start going to networking events where these immigration attorneys go. I mean, these people are really interesting markets. They make five to $7,000 doing all the paperwork, all the bureaucracy that comes with the visa. They've got to get the client, which isn't cheap. They've got offices and staff. They'd be lucky to make $3,000. I said, so while you don't need to do this with a momentum partner, I would offer them $3,000 for a successful introduction. Mm. They loved it. They're like double my profit for a simple introduction. What have I got to say? He yeah. said, well, all you've got to do is say, congratulations. You've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated to China. The executive would always respond with, you know, a little bit of fake confidence. I think I'm good. You know, I got our visa now. Thank you. We've got our place sorted. Learning the language, kids are getting pretty good at it too. I think we're set. And they just respond with, there's a lot more to it than that. I think you need to speak to the China success coach. She mm. then get on the phone with the easiest sale in the world. These people were terrified to go. The organization was motivated to pay, recommended by their attorney. And because of that, she made $30,000 for that. After the $3,000 commission, she made $27,000 for the easiest sale in the world. Instead mm -hmm. of hustling to charge $50 to $80 an hour. Yeah. So the key I want people to understand from this is when you're thinking about networking, the first thing you want to do is lean into what your unique skills are and then say, what is the high level benefit of that? Because when somebody asks me what I do, once I've been interest, interested before interesting, I'll then respond with, I'm the rapid growth guy. Because mm -hmm. for me, if I say, well, I'm a sales trainer, I'm a marketing specialist, I specialize with helping introverted service providers, it's too much. Nobody cares. They don't care how hard it was for me to learn, right? They do not care how long it took me to learn. But when I say I'm the rapid growth guy, the simplicity of that message gets them to go, what now? As opposed to, oh, I need that. How much do you cost? Oh, I know what that is. I don't need it. And then all of a sudden you have a totally different dialogue. So what you've got to do is say, what is my difference? And then mm -hmm. who is my ideal momentum partner that I can foster a relationship with? Because if I can find more of those, I don't have to grind it out every day. I don't have to go to as many networking events because I'll create a series of clients coming to me on autopilot. Once you've done that, then you can be a lot more strategic. And I mean, we could talk about some of the things to be prepared for the room and what to do in the room. But for me, it's about making sure that when you're in the room, you're talking to the right people and making sure you've got something that intrigues them that's unique so that they want to introduce you because what you've said is uniquely different, exciting to them. Absolutely. So, you know, you've gotten involved with a, a networking organization that is, uh, is coming over here from Australia. And, and expanding across the United States. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of fits into the introvert's edge? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for me, I really wanted to to see a new type of networking event exist. And you know, because mm. in my book, I talk about the fact that again, we've got transactional. I want to sell to you right now, or hey, can you introduce me to someone to sell to? We mm. then have aimless, which is what most people think is networking that are avoiding being that kind of person, which is why they think networking doesn't work. Well, you're yep. just doing it wrong. It does work. But then, what I looked at is I went, well, there's no networking events that actually foster momentum partners in champion relationships. Sure, in my books, I share what those are and how to find them in networking rooms. But I wanted to have a, I wanted to see an event actually exist that focused on this because the way I define a momentum partner is like I just did with the China success coach, finding immigration attorneys. But I wanna be able to go to an event and not try and sell to the person I'm speaking to or ask for an introduction to sell to. I wanna be able to say, hey, Jeff, my ideal client, sorry, my ideal momentum partner is somebody that's an immigration attorney. Do you, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason why I, um, they're my ideal client is I'm really passionate about this and I'm on a mission to do this. And when I work with immigration attorneys, I find that I can help their client base. There's a great way for me to make, um, help them make an extra income. And you know, it's also a great group of people for, for me because when somebody comes to me to say, I wanna learn how to be successful in China, usually the next question is visa. So yeah. because of that, it's a symbiotic relationship. Who do you know? Or I would love to go on podcasts where immigration attorneys are listening. Who do you know Mm -hmm. that has a podcast for immigration attorneys or that's got a podcast in general because I need more experience? That's a momentum partner. Or I might say, hey, for me, one of the things that is really powerful for me is, you know, I'm about to publish a book called The Introvert's Edge, which, you know, obviously it's published two years ago now, Mm -hmm. but um, I'm about to publish a book, The Introvert's Edge. And, you know, I really like a couple of endorsements that are really strong in the small business um, field. Who do you know that might potentially champion my work, which is the second demographic? So momentum partners drive you out of that hamster wheel of hustle. Mm-hmm. The champions are the ones that drive your prices up. For instance, yeah. through a, champ- a momentum partner, I discovered a person called, um, sorry, called um, Michael Gerber. And Michael Gerber wrote the book E-Myth. Well, he mm-hmm. endorsed my book because of this introduction. And because of that introduction, I now have one of the most best-selling books of all times. In author has endorsed my work, which gives me credibility, which then allows me to put my prices up. So mm-hmm. I wanted to see a networking event that existed that allowed those two things. Yeah. So what was interesting is for me, I made the decision that I wanted to create this. And then I was speaking at an event in Australia and the founder of that event actually came up to me afterwards and he said, Matt, I have to tell you, I was listening to your definition of momentum partnerships and I actually just invested in a networking event in Australia that had grown to a thousand members and their definition of what they call referral partnerships and your definition of momentum partners outside a few synonyms, exactly the same. I went, great, I'll bring that across to the Northern Hemisphere then. So we launched it first, we launched it in Austin. And I mean, well, you know firsthand, Jeff, because you're running some of those meetings, Mm. right? Um, And you actually was the biggest driver for us to get it there which super appreciate just as a side note. But when we launched it, it, I mean, it grew really quickly. There's, you know, a whole yep. bunch of people that are excited and they see it as a much more introvert friendly, and much mm-hmm. more comfortable period version of networking because it focuses just on this. And it's funny seeing people come to an event for the first time. And even though they understand momentum partnerships now, they still go into that transactional nature because it's been hardwired and we have to then help them see it as different. And then the, they see this, we feel this relief in, well, we see this relief in their eyes when they see that, when they, they, they recognize that. 
But you know, we've grown it into Austin. We now move it out. Um, we, we're doing it virtually. We're seeing it. You know, we're launching in Canada, in mm. you know, in some of the, some other states in Texas and across the U.S. And you know, it's just great to see this kind of networking event uh, exist. And by the way, for the people that want to check it out, I mean, if you go to um, bxnetworking.us forward slash uh, uh, sorry bxnetworking.com bxnetworking.us forward slash Austin, you can register for the Austin event. If you go to virtual, you can actually register for one of the virtual events. Yeah, well, we'll actually put that in the show notes so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's let's talk about the past five questions now. All right. Yep, absolutely. First one, you wake up in the morning, business is totally gone, you still have the information in your head, you've got a laptop, 500 bucks in your pocket, place to live, what do you do first? Absolutely. So for me, I think the most important thing is to look at the biggest impact that I want to have. Yeah. And I think the world's kind of shifted in a way that in the past, you had to have a big successful business for people to take you seriously, or you had to work for a corporation. These days, people don't really care about that. They only care that you have a cause or a mission that, they, uh, that you're invested in. So I think a lot of times when we go out to a networking room, for instance, we're constantly communicating our functional skill. And even that, it's hard to communicate that with any form of passion or mission because oh, I'm a sales and marketing coach. It sounds horrible, right? So mm -hmm. for me, what I would like to do is I'd like to say, okay, what am I truly passionate about? What mission am I on? And the way, uh, the way that I like to, to understand that is for me, for instance, you know, I'm you know, really passionate about helping introverted service providers realize they're not second-class citizens, their path to success is just different. And the mission I'm on is allowing those people to have rapid growth businesses by leaning into their introverted natural gifts. So once you realize that, you I would then work out how to communicate that. And mm -hmm. then I would leverage a strategy to go out networking. I would then leverage those networking events to probably get a few speaking events. And I would share the three major problems that my niche market has that I have a solution for. And then I would tell people not to buy from me, but instead check out a free resource. And that free resource would then obviously give them the opportunity to foster a relationship with me to schedule a call. Now, if somebody in a networking room goes, oh my gosh, I need that. I would then as you know, I've got no money in my pocket, right? I need that money right now. But I would say, oh, I so appreciate you saying that. And you know, while I'd love to have that conversation with you, we're at a networking event. Now is not really the right forum. You know, so why don't we do this? We've all got our phones on us. I'm hoping I still have my phone. We've all got our yeah. phone on us. Um, and because of that, why don't we schedule a meeting? And you could schedule that meeting for tomorrow. I remember when I first got to Austin, I, I, I did an event and somebody said, how do we hire you? Here's the mm. secret. If somebody, if you answer that question, I promise you, it's like karma coming to haunt you. Somebody will interrupt you mid-flow and you'll lose everything. We're like, oh, Jeff, I haven't seen you in a while. Now you've lost the interest of the person. Or they will reflect on this later and go, how rude. I was at a networking room to get clients and then they tried to sell to me. But mm. if you set up a meeting for the following day so you can have some real time with them, they're going to be so much more appreciative and they've reflected on what you said and they've created an even higher need for it. You know, I did that and I, when I first got to Austin, the very first person that said that to me in a networking room, even though I actually hadn't had a client at that point, I said to them exactly that a day and a half later, we met and I mentioned my price. And they were like, yeah, done. I mean, we'd already had a conversation, me and my business partner. We decided that if it was less than this, we were definitely doing it. But if I had pitched them at the networking room, they wouldn't have been able to have that conversation. So mm -hmm. I was really missed out. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Starting the wrong business. Starting the wrong <laughs> business. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've learned is <laughs> one of the things I've learned is you can create a rapid growth business out of anything. Mm.
Hey, lost your lost your audio. Oh, my battery must have died. Just give me one oh. second. <laughs> Truth is, the, the biggest mistake I think I ever made was starting the wrong business. And I know that sounds crazy because a lot of people listening are probably like, oh, I just want to create any business that gets me yeah. out of this day job. But the truth is there's nothing worse than a rapid growth business with customers you can't stand in a business you don't like. Mm -hmm. And I, I can tell you firsthand because I've been responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories, sure. But the truth is there were some of those I didn't really like. And the first business I started, you know, we ended up, I mean, in three years, we became the number one brokership for B2B cell phones in the country. I mean, we turned mm -hmm. over $4.2 million in year three and I hated it. Like I, I couldn't <laughs> stand it. Like I felt that if I disappeared tomorrow, how significant would have that been? Like what, somebody didn't save $20 on their phone plan? <laughs> so I just didn't feel like I was pursuing a mission. And I felt like the people that I had working for me, they made, I mean, they made amazing money and so do I. I mean, that business printed money, but the truth was that once you make a certain amount, you just stop caring about that. Yeah. And the other thing I've, I've learned since then is if you create a business that's revolved, that revolves around what you're truly passionate about and what you love to do more than anything, you have more energy, you have more focus. When you're mm -hmm. at networking, people can feel that as opposed to you just going through the motions. So I believe that you can create rapid growth out of anything, but you can create rapid growth much faster and you can have a lot more fun doing it if it's what you're truly passionate about and the mission that you're on. So one of the things that I always suggest, because I believe that people inherit their goals from their mother, their father, I don't know, drunk roommate they had in college. College. They hear these things like, that's what I want. They charge after it. And one mm -hmm. of those things is an executive saying, I want to leave my job and start my own business. Any yeah. business will do. And then they jump in with both feet and go, wow, now I've got less job security and I hate what I do. What did, what did I do this for? So mm -hmm. the real key is to think about what you're passionate about. And I, I would say that most people really haven't even asked themselves that question. And, yeah. a lot of, and I will say, you know, especially in you know, some of the, the states of t Texas that and, and some of the places like Texas that have a lot more religious background, a lot of them feel uncomfortable thinking selfishly. A lot of them are always trying to help so many people. And that's amazing. But if you don't think selfishly about the, the, the difference you want to make, because the, the truth is you just want to make a difference. But if you don't think selfishly about the difference that you want to make, that's going to be much more congruent with who you are and, the, and, and, and ex allow you to have the impact that you want to be having and do the work that you want to have, then you're always going to feel less than. So the truth is you're always going to be able to help more people by doing what you love and Yes, you're going to be able to charge and yes, that can make you feel uncomfortable, but you can charge to help more people with what you're passionate about, right? So I have no problem charging mm. because I know that a lot of that money gets dedicated back to helping more introverts realize that they can succeed. But the focal point for me is understand who you are, what you're passionate about, the mission that you're on, and then the business that you want to create. I made that mistake the first and the second time, and I will never <laughs> make that again. What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? Well, actually, there are, there are two. One, I would recommend you only read the first chapter. And for the women that are listening, I apologize for the name. The title of the book is horrific. It's called The Way of the Superior Man. And for the people that have not um, really connected with their passion and their, uh, their, the, what they, the difference they want to make, you know, that mm. first chapter really talks about the fact that people used to go on like walkabouts, like Australian walkabout, right? Mm. Walkabouts through the forest or to try and let the world tell them what was important. Well, depending on what you believe in, whether the world told you or you just actually had time to think, you yeah. got an answer. Well, these days people go, I wonder what I want. Oh, my phone's beeping. I wonder what this person thinks. I'll call them. Mm. 
we don't actually spend time really reflecting on the, the impact that we want to make. And because of that, it's a, I mean, that's a, it's a huge problem. So for me, I really would recommend people check out the first chapter. I think the first chapter is amazing. The rest of the book, I don't actually recommend. So it's up yeah. to you if you want to continue on. Prove me wrong. The yeah. other book I would highly recommend is um, The uh, E-Myth. I think a lot of people yeah. start businesses based on what they know how to do. That doesn't make them business owners. That makes them self-employed. And so even if you want to build a business that revolves around you, your family, and your life doing what you love, absolutely no problem with that. But the truth is you need to realize that if you're a hairdresser, then you eventually don't want to cut hair. If you're, a if you're a business coach, you eventually want to have a team of business coaches or a team of licensee business coaches. You don't want to be a coach yourself. Not that you don't want to be, you shouldn't if you want to have the biggest impact possible. Yeah. Well, I think impact and also don't delude yourself with, well, I'm going to start this business and then I'll be able to sell it to somebody else. Well, if you own a job, you're just selling a job to somebody else Absolutely. and they don't want that. You know, they want to buy a business. Nobody uh, does. So you're I not going to get, yeah. The statistics around business sales is horrific. And what it, the reason for that is because people, when they get to 65, they've said that I'm not going to put away for retirement because I'm going to sell my business, but they get yeah. to 65, 66, they're tired now. And then mm. they're like, well, I don't have a business to sell. I'm selling a yeah. job. No one wants to buy that. And then, so then, then they build in systems and processes. Then they try and replace themselves or they're looking down the barrel of that. And they're like, well, hang on a second. I've got to do all this and then get mm -hmm. two years of clean books. So at 66, I'm what, four years away from selling my business. I'm just going to give it up or give it to someone that's in my organization. Mm -hmm. So in truth, you're hundred percent right. You have to do that. Even if you're, and for me, I'd prefer to do it at 35 yep. than 65, because if I do it at 35, I get the benefit of being able to do whatever I want for those 30 years, whether it's working with people or building new businesses, whatever I want to, or sell it at 66 or 68 mm -hmm. or 40 and then build another business and then build another one and then build another one. Most people have no idea how to do that. The e-myth helps you understand how to step away. It doesn't show you how to sell the business, but it does show you how to step away so that at least you can get to the point where it's actually possible. Absolutely. What's a good tool that you use in your business every day? I always give the example of Evernote for me. Well, so for me, I, I mean, you know, my reading speed issues. So I listen to Audible every day. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I mean, I always believe like, I, I know you talk about like when you do a podcast, you read everybody's books yeah. and I do the same thing. And sometimes I might even read all three books they've ever written. Right. <laughs> and to do that, well, I can't read. So what do yeah. I do? I pull out Audible and you might've noticed, Jeff, you warn me about this every now and then that as an Australian, I can speak kind of quickly. Yeah. Well, I can, I can listen quickly too. So <laughs> I listen on Audible at three which means I can consume three books in a week. And, mm. and not only can I have a podcast interview where I'm asking them questions, I can have a true meeting of the minds because I now know the best of everything that they know. Plus I've synthesized it with my experience and I'm ready and raring to go. So <laughs> I think that that is a hugely powerful tool. Mm. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I love it in, con in conjunction with books. So how, uh, what's the best way if somebody's interested in having a conversation with you or reaching out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, you know, I learned how to sell watching YouTube videos. I learned how to lead watching YouTube videos. So I put a ton of free content out there everywhere. Type my name into mm -hmm. Google, it'll come out everywhere you know, start to churn through some of the content that we put on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. But for those people listening, like for instance, if you want to create your own version of the China Success Coach, the Rapid Growth Guy, I would mm -hmm. recommend going to matthewpollard.com 
forward slash growth, you can download a template there that'll actually allow you to literally walk you through how to create your unified message, discover your niche. I did this at the National Freelance Conference, nearly 200 people in the room. At the end of the session, I'm like, put your hand up. If you now have the unified message, you believe you've discovered a niche of people that'll pay you what you're worth. 97% of the room put their hands up. Sad part was, I said, keep your hands up. If this is the most time you spent actively working on your marketing since you started your business, 85% of the room kept their hands up. So the key is that this works. So if you go to matthewpollard.com forward slash growth and download the template, if you actually spend the time doing it, it will work. My suggestion is you team up, get somebody else to listen to this podcast episode and then team up with them to go through the template. You help them through it, they'll help you through it. Ideally, somebody that's not with your functional skills so you don't get into that you know, like-minded brain sink. Mm-hmm. So that's a great place to start for those people that want to learn how to sell or network. Well, my publisher hates me when I say this, you do not need to buy my books. You can mm-hmm. go to the introvertsedge.com and there you'll be able to download the first chapter of my sales book. And literally you'll be able to like from the first chapter, you'll be able to see why you can be a better sales, the best salesperson as an, as an introvert. And it'll outline the full seven steps. If you're a small mm-hmm. business owner, grab what you currently say, try to fit it in there. You realize some things don't fit, throw that out. You shouldn't be saying it to customers. Then you'll realize there's some things out of order and you'll realize there's some gaping holes. Fill the gaps, put things in order, you'll double your sales in the next 60 days. So that's at theintrovertsedge.com or forward slash networking if you want the networking book. But mm-hmm. the other thing I will tell you is that I'm actually offering at the moment, um, you get the book for free. I, you just cover the cost of shipping, you can get access to it. If you go to uh, networkingbookforintroverts.com, you can get this entire book totally for free, ship it to your door, you just pay the shipping and, co- um, shipping and handling. And you know that you know, is because I'm just really committed to helping introverts realize that they can achieve this success. Everything I do is around helping introverts, which is why I bought BX Networking to the United States, which is why, you know, I've, I, I wrote the books. And it's why we just launched Introvert U, which is a whole new learning platform specifically dedicated for introverts. So there's a ton of ways to get started, um, to start to believe. My suggestion is start with the free content because you'll find that will transform your thinking and belief that you can and then you'll want to do more. And truthfully, there's a ton of free content out there to do more with. Or if you love my systems, then check out the full book. Awesome. Well, thank you, my friend. That was just, it, it, was, a, it was basically at Australian double speed. So you can actually, if you're listening to this, you can actually back the speed down and it'll sound normal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should have warned people up front, right? This is a half speed episode. <laughs> you, you got two hours of content in an hour. This is awesome. All right. Well, thank you, friend. I appreciate it so much. Uh, folks, as always, um, you know, follow the links in our in our uh, show notes. That'll allow you to go to all these great places. Matt does a phenomenal amount of content that he puts out there, and we're this is what we're out here for. We're trying to help you get better at what you do. So we do these shows twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And just make sure wherever you're at, subscribe to the channel so that you can get these as soon as they come out. So thanks a lot, and we'll see you guys back here next week. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.